Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. I'm joined today by Leah. Leah, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi folks, my name is Leah, Leah Spasova. I am the founder of Life's Experts. I'm a psychologist and sex and relationship educator for adults. Excellent. So, what got you into that line of work? Oh, long story short, I've always been curious and open-minded about the topics of sexuality and relationships. Mm -hmm. I was brought up in a sex-positive, open family. Mm -hmm. When I had questions as a kid, they were just answered as a matter of fact. No judgment, no stigma around it. And that kind of made me the sex geek for all of my friends because I, I had a resource at home and I was also allowed to read whatever books I wanted. Um, and that gave me a huge advantage in the know-how of things. So everybody would call me up and be like, oh my God, Leah, Leah, I, I was condom broke last night. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would advise them and tell them, oh, there's the morning after pill and this and that. So... Yeah, it was, uh, it's been a long journey, mm-hmm. but I wanted to be a psychologist when I was growing up and I ended up going into this field um, and studying psychology and counseling and working in mental health for a while. And then I realized I want to be on the positive side of things. I want to help people get from there to there, from good to great mm-hmm. and not work on the pathology and the downside and you know the hurt and pain and everything mm-hmm. so yeah that's how a lot of things just bowed up and I was like you know this is an area where I've got a lot of knowledge sexuality and relationships I've studied them I've learned about them since I was like very young so I figured out I've got something that people want Mm -hmm. and that's how it all started. Cool. So what kind of things do you help people with now? What's the main, what's the main issue that people come to you with? This is a very common question that I get. Um, A lot of the time people have fantasies or desires that they don't know how to address with their partners. So I help them with this um, on how to open the career. Oops. Mm-hmm. how to open the conversation how to be sex positive with their partners because mm-hmm. even though we want to be sex positive a lot of the time there's so much so much negativity around sexuality in relationships that people just don't even know how to open up with themselves mm-hmm. so around desires and enjoying their body is probably the most common thing that I get but mm-hmm. it's quite a rich field so I'm never bored there isn't too mm-hmm. much repetition in terms of clients everybody's very unique and I love it and I thrive in complexity so I couldn't ask for a better job <laughs> so your clients may mean when or women interestingly men yeah okay yeah. What sort of, what's the main sort of fan? Well, you, you say everyone's different, so I'll kind of. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, what's the thing with fantasies? You say they come to you with fantasies. What was, can you tell us more about that? Well, um, in terms of fantasies, people often 
struggle to even accept their fantasies and ask for them. Say I have created webinars and often talk about this um, kink and BDSM. And a lot of people have kinky fantasies and fetishes that they want to practice and come in, um, you know, come out with to their partners. And it's very difficult for them because of all the stigma. Mm-hmm. And they don't know how to do it safely a lot of the time. They don't know how to find the kink community, where, what kind of clubs are out there, etc. So um, I can help them and educate them about what's out there, what they can do, what's appropriate, what kind of things would get them kicked out of this community as well. Because a mm-hmm. lot of people just assume that they know it and it's fine and it's just like the normal world, which is and isn't. Um, but let's say the king community is not so big and if you build a reputation you can get kicked out very easily um, mm-hmm. and you need to just understand safety and consent to way better degree mm-hmm. than in your vanilla lifestyle so people would come to me to learn about these things quite often actually and these are very popular webinars that i've had excellent yeah. so it's kind of bdsm mm-hmm. well it's not always, but yeah, a lot of the time. It, it could be related to it, even if people don't want to get into the king community and stuff like that. They may mm-hmm. have fantasies that they don't know how to experiment with and bring into their relationships, etc. Mm-hmm. So you say king community, so what's, what's that? Can you tell us more about that? <laughs> Okay, so the kink community, kink is the broader term above BDSM. So mm-hmm. BDSM stands for bondage, uh, dominance, sadism, masochism, uh, and submission. So um, kink is above this. Mm-hmm. So for instance, let's say, um, let's say, golden showers okay mm-hmm. this is not in the bdsm structure or acronym but it's a kink so the, the term kink is a broader umbrella that sits above it and mm-hmm. you would call a kinkster someone that's into alternative sexual practices there are hundreds actually and a lot of people practice one or another type of kink without labeling it as such and without recognizing it as such so this is this is what kink is and people that are into the kink community mm-hmm. are people who have that interest they have recognized it and they want to socialize and practice these practices with other like-minded folk mm-hmm. it's like a book club but for people with alternative sexual interests excellent i had a girlfriend that was uh into that kind of stuff once and um she she had a stall at an exhibition and i helped her set it up but i didn't i didn't stay i wasn't really into it what what would you do you ever have a time when someone comes to see you and their partner just isn't into it what would you what would you say to them in that so i try to work with single people more than coupled people Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I've had people come and say my partner is not kinky. 
Um, so it's been a process of either helping them create space and time when sexual exploration occurs at first, rather than I want to weep your ass or something. You know, you can't. <laughs> okay, imagine that you're sitting there with your partner. And all of a sudden, you know, you're just eating your meal or whatever, or watching TV. And all of a sudden they say, oh, I, I want to buy a new car. You go mm -hmm. like, why? We just bought ours three months ago. It comes out of nowhere. So unless you say, look, the new car that we bought, it's a little bit trashy. You know, we've got issues with it already. Maybe we should move on to a new car and actually spend more money. Then you're just giving them something that is out of context, that it's, scary because you just bought a new car and that is a lot of money so people often tend to make these same mistakes when it comes to sexuality they think that they can just open the conversation saying i want to spank your ass right mm -hmm. and, and the other person will be like yeah fine cool you know it doesn't work like this most of the time just because of the stigma and people don't know how to actually get to these conversations without mm -hmm. coming across as forceful or weird or scary and so on so it's it's a skill that people need to develop basically mm -hmm. so like some of the things um like to me they sound a bit weird so what would you <laughs> what would you say to me how would you suggest i look at them or look at what um well yeah like you said like golden showers like to me that's like strange so what would you well it's not everybody's cup of tea <laughs> like you can't make people get into a kink um mm -hmm. i think that people can through time get more interested or fascinated or curious about specific kinks but you can't just make someone kinky mm. um in terms of how kink is perceived as like this weird unwanted stuff that nobody wants to touch um it so much is missed out so a lot of people would have this negative perception and think oh, kink is these crazy people that just beat the crap out of each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sorry for the language, but this is how genuinely a lot of people think. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem because actually in the kink community, there's so much more consent. Like consent is a big word. So there's no exploitation of people and their will, no manipulation, etc. That's if kink is done safely <laughs> and by people that know the stuff. Mm -hmm. um and there is a massive focus on pleasure for everybody so when you go into a scene to play with someone you sit down and you talk about safety you talk about consent you talk about what you want to happen um and you talk about how you want it to happen and how you would communicate if this is not what you like at the mm -hmm. time or if you would like to let them know that they can try something else or try to increase the intensity or something like this mm -hmm. so the focus is around pleasure everybody's pleasure and everybody's safety so when we talk about kink we need to talk about what can we do together that would be maybe alternative but will bring joy and pleasure to both people 
and mm-hmm. be safe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, nobody can get you into golden showers, but they can get you into other things that seem interesting to you. Let's say getting blindfolded. That is something that a lot of people have practiced, but it's part of the BDSM practices, you know, sensory deprivation. Or if you get tied up, you know, Mm -hmm. what do you get out of it? That's the question. What do you get out of a certain action? So, for instance, if you get tied up, you may take away from it the sense of freedom. Sounds Mm -hmm. peculiar, but you end up feeling more free, free to just give up control and give yourself fully to this other person to pleasure you until mm-hmm. your eyes are rolling back and you're like oh my god oh my god so <laughs> this is a thing that a lot of people don't understand they think mm-hmm. oh what's the purpose i'll just be tired and i wouldn't be able to touch them and it's going to be boring well maybe not being able to touch them is going to be this massive tease for you that you'll be like oh my god oh my god let me let me let me that would drive you to the edge with much more grandiosity and force and so on so it's about understanding what a kink practice can bring to you as an individual rather than oh ropes boring no thanks Mm -hmm. what's in it you know is more interesting rather than the ropes itself so it's not necessarily a bad thing um i mean one for example one of the hypnosis courses i've done uh, one of my trainers tells a story about a client who came to him with cross-dressing issues and they, you know, regressed him and tied it back to a time in childhood where his mum caught him dressing up, you know, in his sister's clothes and beat the crap out of him. So what would you say to that? When someone says it is is due to an experience in childhood or an issue in childhood, well, I think your story itself uh, tells the actual story. So he was already cross dressing when his mom caught him mm-hmm. and beat him up. So pathology doesn't come from within; it mm. comes from outside, and that's one thing that a lot of psychologists would never even admit. And therapists, they wouldn't say, <laughs> they wouldn't say, well, look, society is crazy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for treating gay people so badly. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with you. This is how you are born. This is what you desire. This is fine. Because if we, if we turned around and said it's society, social norms and restrictions and shame and guilt and morals that bring people to feel horrible about themselves, about their desire, about their interests, about their fantasies, etc., then we wouldn't be treating people anymore. We wouldn't be, like psychologists wouldn't be making money and therapists from treating mm-hmm. people. They'll have a bigger task. They'll have to address society, mm-hmm. which is, whew, like, <laughs> try that. <laughs> it's not easy. But there's a thing. He already had an interest in cross-dressing. Mm-hmm. And... I wouldn't call it an issue. So if someone comes to me and says, I cross-dress, is that an issue? I'll be like, no, unless you think it is. Mm-hmm. Pathology comes from outside. And even if you go to therapy, one of the main conditions is 
for you to be diagnosed is that you recognize this particular thing to be a problem for you that you want to work on. Mm-hmm. This is this is outlined in the statistical and diagnostical manual of mental disorders DSM. Mm-hmm. So if someone comes to me, even if I was a mainstream therapist and says, "Look, I gamble, I cheat on my wife, and I drink a lot." If they said I don't care about the drinking and the cheating, but I want to get a grip on my gambling. I need mm-hmm. to learn self-control for this. Mm-hmm. Me pushing them to work on their cheating or to work on their alcohol use or abuse is not focusing on what they perceive as their issue and what they want to work on. Yes, these things can be very connected mm-hmm. and you can try show them how these are connected. And when one is influencing another and so on, but you can't tell them that they have an issue until they recognize it and until they want to work with it. Mm-hmm. So if someone came to you and said, I've got this fantasy, would you say just accept it and find someone who wants to partake in it with you? What would you? So I would say that as long as people are doing things safely, mm-hmm as long as they're enjoying themselves as long as, and as long as the other people that are in this act or practice are consenting to it as mm-hmm. well and then enjoying themselves etc it's fine so if someone says um i really want to tie up my partner and spank their ass and make them come 20 times but deny them 10 before that. Mm-hmm. I won't say, oh, man, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I wouldn't. Because their desire is valid. Their wish is valid. And the only thing is that they do it safely. They do it with a consenting partner and then they enjoy themselves. Same for the other people involved. As long as they're doing it safely, they're enjoying it and the others are consenting, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's getting to that place where you have found the right people, where you know how to do it safely and you know how to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's extremely important. So no, as I said in the beginning, when we started chatting about my work, I come from a sex positive narrative. So I wouldn't stigmatize. I wouldn't tell you you're broken. I wouldn't tell you that you have an issue. I'll tell you how you can work towards getting what you want in a mm-hmm. safe, enjoyable and consenting way excellent so how does embracing that kind of desire how does that improve your relationships <laughs> really good question well imagine you live in a lie would that make your relationships better no well that's exactly what we do when we deny ourselves our desires we live in a lie when we deny the way we want our relationships to be or our intimate lives to be, say a lot of people are not monogamous. They just are not. They want mm-hmm. to have multiple partners at the same time and they want to do it right, ethically, without hurting other people, without causing drama, without causing hurt. There's a way to, to do this. It's called polyamory. And there's so much to learn in order to do this right so if you're in a monogamous relationship 
and you're a polyamorous person, you're living in a lie. Mm-hmm. Thinking you're going to suppress this part of you that wants to be with other people. And you're not doing good for your relationship with your other per- well, with your partner and you may end up cheating, you may end up feeling gross about yourself and judging yourself and and your other you know a new partner may just feel like i am not enough i'm not giving them what they want mm-hmm. and the thing is nobody's enough nobody's 100% enough for anybody if you think about it what's your sport what's your favorite thing sports wise or hobby wise cycling cycling does your partner cycle i don't have a partner you don't have a partner previous partner did they cycle not much. <laughs> nah. But there's the thing. You would have had buddies or friends that would cycle with you or go to, say, a football game or whatever it is that your partner has zero interest in. Mm-hmm. I read a lot. And I have had very few partners that love reading. And mm-hmm. I can grab a book and geek out with them about the book that I'm reading. So I have found other people that I can talk to you about books mm-hmm. because one person cannot meet all of your needs. It's, it's the BS of the West with all that Disney stuff that the one will have to meet all of your needs and everything <laughs> will be amazing. No, you can love a hundred people in the same time. You love your dog. You love your partner. You love your parents. You love your friends. You love your colleagues, mm-hmm. whatever you can have X amount of limitations that are placed on you as a human being but your heart does not have these limitations and it's a thing that people fail to recognize oftentimes that if you if you think that you have to be limiting yourself and living a lie this is not healthy for you it's not healthy for the people around you Mm -hmm. so what does what does your standards do you have like a program that people do what's your standards kind of solution look like so i work with people on a one-to-one basis mm-hmm. if they want to target something and learn about it and i also create content online i run webinars so people can join if they're interested in a specific topic mm-hmm. and watch it for free and I also have a Patreon page where I upload specific content that's exclusive and there are different levels of it. So if someone doesn't want to engage in one-to-ones, for instance, but wants to ask me questions, then they can join at a specific uh, Patreon level and then they can ask me questions and I can answer them in a video type of format. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they just want to see all the previous webinars that I've done and get exclusive content, then there is a a cheaper like membership level. But the, the cheapest is three pounds and you get dozens of hours of good sex positive content. So it's pretty it's worth it. You know, it's it's less than a cost of coffee. Think about mm-hmm. it. And you get dozens of hours of interesting and sex positive content that is know how. Mm-hmm. That's literally know how. So yeah, different ways of reaching people. So what's the topic of your most recent webinar? So I sometimes invite guests 
Mm-hmm. And um, I had a girl who spoke about spirituality mm-hmm. and sexuality and how you can open open yourself to more success if you accept your sexuality and how you can build this to that level. Um, and my upcoming webinar is on the how of creating a space for conversations, uh, how to get people interested in what you're talking about to them in terms of intimacy and relationships and so on. So it's it's pretty useful type of skill to have. And mm-hmm. I I have done, as I said, webinars on kink and on polyamory and another one recently with a specialist who uh, does massage, like intimate massage mm-hmm. and other coaches. So it's, it's a very varied um, experience if people join the webinars. Excellent. So what's your favorite thing to help people with? Getting them what they want, <laughs> getting them ahead. Um, this is very broad, but this is this is why I'm into this. You know, I like seeing people progress and grow and learn new skills that empower them, that make their relationships happier, healthier, more fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's what I get out of it. You know, this is why I do it. That's the end goal: to make more people happy and fulfilled in their intimacy and relationships excellent so um do you ever work with couples yeah but rare um i prefer working with individuals and it's complex to explain why but in a nutshell when you're with a partner it's more likely that if you try to introduce change they may struggle with it and they may try push you back into the Mm -hmm. old ways because change is very difficult and it takes two to tangle and managing two people to go through the same process is way more difficult Um, and usually what I have found is that if people that are coupled approach me they're more often struggling and in a bad place and they may need therapy more than more than improve pure improvement of how things are mm-hmm. so there's it's complex i would never say no to a person at least at introduction and let's see how we can work with what you've got now what's happening because a person's journey is a person's journey full stop um and i can work with them individually but oftentimes the other person may not be that cool with it and that causes problems um so it's it's a very difficult thing to decide on and determine but i don't say immediately no to people let's see let's do an introductory call let's see what's going on and how we can get you from here to there basically Mm -hmm. so how do you feel about porn do you feel that that has a positive impact on people's sexuality or bad well, it's the same as like talking about wine or coffee. If you do it in excess, it's not going to be good. If you do it to as a ritual to to help you or as a 
is a thing that spice your day up or whatever yeah, it's fine you know but it's there's use and there's abuse and I think that a lot of people just think about say porn and drinking as pure abuse you know and I'm like no it doesn't have to be it can be done with measure it could be done to a healthy uh, result etc so it can help and it can hinder it's how you use it mm-hmm. do you think that that um, makes people more inquisitive as a, as regards to fantasies and things or less it could it could um but the problem with porn is that it's not realistic um it's like watching fast and furious and at 17 and thinking this is how you drive mm-hmm. and this is what you'll be able to do on the streets once you get your car you know <laughs> it's the same like <laughs> porn is to sex as fast and furious is to daily driving in the city mm-hmm. it's unrealistic it's you know and i've had partners that go like oh um can we do that position when you're upside down and you're like doing this and i'm like <laughs> Last time I checked, I didn't work in the circus. <laughs> I'm not that flexible. And no, it's most likely that this position would only make my body feel cramped and uncomfortable and I would not be able to enjoy my experience. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not going to be a, a pleasurable thing just because you see people going upside down and, and hanging and whatever does not mean that this is actually enjoyable. Um, and the bad side of porn is that if you cons- consume too much porn, it may lead to this mental desensitization where you just need a little bit more edgy and then a little bit more edgy for you to, um, to get interested. Or maybe you'd have like, like a lot of porn on all the screens around you and be like, oh, it's boring now. Let's watch here and there, you know, just because your brain gets bored much more easy and mm-hmm. i'm not one to pathologize and i know that other people would say completely different things and no it doesn't lead to desensitization and da, da, da. but i've seen it happen i know it happens and that's that's from my experience and knowledge of things it's like it's the same with alcohol i would bring this so i don't drink alcohol but if you give me now a shot of, let's say, whiskey or vodka, I'll be drunk, like one shot, and I'll be like, <laughs> like probably all over the place. <laughs> you give that to someone who drinks every day, mm-hmm. and they're like, so what? Like one cup, so what? And they'll literally have no effect on them. It's the same with the brain, you know. It would get used to things, and they would not be exciting think about it your partners when you meet a new partner you're like super excited you have all that sexual energy but with time and use (laughs) sounds horrible but with time and having had more and more sex with them it may go down in excitement it does you know get down in excitement you may need them now to dress up you know you may need yourself to be in a different mental state whereas Mm -hmm. before they just wink at you and you're like yes ready for you you know so we've got that experience with all sorts of other things and it's the same with porn Mm -hmm. um and so if you kind of live out your fantasies can that 
reduce your desire for sex, do you think? Have you ever had someone who has said, you know, I've fulfilled my fantasies and now I'm not interested in sex anymore? No. No? <laughs> no. Because anyone who explores their sexuality would know that their body, their mind, their desire changes over time. And unless they... <laughs> so imagine imagine it that way sexuality is like the world's cuisine and people's minds often perceive sex as a set menu in one restaurant that maybe let's say like a buffet type of restaurant they may like oh yeah i'll have noodles and then some sushi and then a banana cake but that's it that's their limitation mm-hmm but someone that has embarked on sexual exploration is a traveler that goes around the world and tastes food, drink, fruit, meat, uh, veg that is not in your current location, not in, in your country of origin. So it's like comparing a person that never leaves their town and thinks there's like this and this and that place to go and eat in. And a person that travels the world and can take experimentation to a new level and try fruit and veg and meals and drinks that are super new, super different from anything they've tried before. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. That's true sexual exploration. And someone that's embarked on exploring fantasies, if they're doing it in an open-minded fashion, they're traveling the world with their body. Mm-hmm. Rather than someone that thinks five things, there's the menu. Mm-hmm. So, so society kind of says what's normal, and people kind of go along with that. And if they don't fit the mold, you know, society labels them as weird or strange. Or same with mental health issues, right? If you know, like. Mental health is only an issue if if it causes you a problem, like you said, with regards to the cross-dressing and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, what would you say? What would you say to that? Would you say it's only a problem if you follow society's view of it, or? Yeah, I, I said it earlier. Pathology comes from outside, not from within. If you um... If you look at it like if a child is brought up um, in, say, the East and they had to work from age five to provide and they had to um, cook for their two-year-old sibling and so on, to them that's normal. But -hmm. in the West, that's abuse of children, Mm -hmm. you know? So it does, normality is something that's a flying idea of what's okay and what isn't. So in one country, it would be okay. In another, it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. 200 years ago, it may be okay. Nowadays, not. Mm-hmm. And in 300 years from now, it may be just unheard of, you know. So normality and uh, social norms are something that changes. You change the date, you change the location, and you change who you talk to. Mm-hmm. And you would find a massive difference. So, yeah. It's it's external. It's not coming from within. 
It's... And people suffer for as long as they perceive the normal stuff as the only way to be and everything else to be a pathology. Mm -hmm. So these fantasies, do people really suffer with them? Like if someone had a fantasy for golden shells, would that really cause them a deep sense of suffering, a deep issue? They will suffer for as long as they are unfulfilled and judged by themselves and by society. As soon as people find the right group of people to socialize with, the right people to practice these practices with, they would feel like in heaven. Hmm. It's like, put it this way, if you take, I'm going to give a horrible example, but um, if you take uh, a Christian and you put them in the mosque and you mm -hmm. tell them, this is how you need to do your religion, they wouldn't feel comfortable. They would feel like I'm, I'm out of place. And if they try to sit and put their hands together rather than bow down and, you know, take their shoes off, etc., they will be severely judged. They may even be kicked out. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is what happens in society. If you don't do as it's perceived, right, in this group of people, in this town, in this society, you get kicked out. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of finding people that are like minded that value the same things, that do the same things that you want, that is liberating. So if you take this Christian out of the mosque and then so, tell him, sorry, mate, I've got you at the wrong place. Here's your people. Mm -hmm. When he goes there or she goes there and they sit and pray their own way with other like-minded folk that do it the same way, they'll be like, that's my peace. Right? That's the same cool. thing. Brilliant. So how can people find you? People can find me on my website, which is lifesexperts.com. If they search at lifesexperts anywhere, or if they search my name, Leah Spasova, they'll find me. I'm the only person with that name in the world. <laughs> um, and what else? They can find the Patreon page as well at patreon.com forward slash lifesexperts. Basically, Google Life's Experts and you'll find everything you need. That's it, yeah. Okay, Leah, thank you very much. No worries. Thanks for having me.